0: Maxwell's Rules, Chapter 2, Rules for Escape. September 4th, 1994, continued. That fatal morning, a literary work came to my mind. The Metamorphosis, in which Czechoslovakian surrealist Franz Kafka describes the horrific ordeal of a man suddenly transformed into a monstrous, vermin, loathsome to behold, malodorous, inspiring disgust and revulsion in all he comes into contact with. The tragic anti-hero grapples with the existential blow a meaningless universe has hurled at him. Scratching my new facial blemishes, I concluded that I should have been so lucky. Yes, as a small kid in his teens, I might. "'past social muster better than a roach. "'My dietary needs would not require foraging "'through my neighbor's garbage "'after the raccoons had knocked it over. "'I had retained my humanity for what it was worth. "'Yet while my harmless appearance "'would not inspire shrieks of horror, "'it would render me a persona non gratis. "'Unable to vote, back off syrup, or drive a car,' "'incapable of gainful employment, "'incapable of being taken seriously. "'No one would have dared mess with a giant cockroach. "'I stripped my suit off and scrubbed the filth left the night before, "'convulsing with sobs and shudders, "'sometimes hysterical laughter at the pathetic sight beneath. "'From six feet and 220 pounds,' to five foot four and 120 pounds overnight. Yes, I'd been urged to lose weight, but this was not an acceptable form of weight loss. Having placed my boxers and slacks in the sink to soak, I looked at the clock and hurried to my office. After locking my door, I began a frantic search for clothes. As luck would have it, I found a freshman's gym uniform in the lost and found box. A little large... "'but it would have to do. "'I secured the shorts with staples around my waist. "'My old jogging shoes kept under my desk fit after stuffing the toes, "'since my feet remained close to their adult size, of course. "'I ran a comb through that disordered mop on my head to no avail. "'The door to the lobby opened. "'I heard Ellis whistling that annoying, upbeat little tune that she does every morning.' i resolved to make my escape through the office window once outside i could slip into my car and drive away before noticed if i drove carefully no one would pull me over to ask for the license that no longer resembled me for over half an hour i struggled my sudden diminution of strength surprised me more than it should have after getting the screen off and staggering beneath the weight of the window pane I'd also removed, I collapsed, dropping it. While it remained unbroken, the noise was loud enough for Ellis to hear. Dr. Maxwell? She pounded the door. You in there? I realized that even if I could remove the storm window attached from the outside, I still couldn't fit through the narrow opening scrawny though i now was she continued to pound and call remembering my cracking adolescent tones i stayed silent then i thought of the intercom it beeped i heard her running to her desk in a stage whisper i said miss Alice, i lost my voice what happened i paused thinking rapidly laryngitis. Oh, my. Maybe you should go home, sir. Alice, could you try to open my door? I heard her pull and jiggle the knob. It seems to be locked. Answering her from the intercom, it's jammed. Could you get the janitor? Sure, Dr. Maxwell. I heard her close the door as she left. Then I sprang into action. After putting my wallet into my spacious left shoe and clutching my keychain, I unlocked the door and hurried out. No one was in the hall. Breathlessly, I hurried to the double doors leading to the parking lot. Once outside, it was only a few yards to safety. Son, where are you going? A hand pressed upon my shoulder. I realized son referred to me. "'It was Brian, the school janitor, looking taller than usual. "'You new here?' "'Not knowing what else to do, I nodded. "'Sorry I can't stand help. I gotta get a door open. "'Ken, get this boy up to register with Mr. Goodman.' "'A gangly senior came up and smiled down upon me. "'Surrendering to fate, I was led away, "'willing myself not to cry.' In the office, I sat bewildered, replying with nods or barely audible monosyllables to Goodman's stupid banter. The name on the forms, which had been emailed in the evening before, was Curtis Newman. Write a sec, Goodman said. Must be a glitch. Says you were born in 1949. It's 1979, right? I nodded. "'wanting a hole in the floor to open and swallow me. "'The guidance counselor handed me a student ID "'to be worn by newbies on the first day of enrollment. "'I managed to pin it on without a mirror. "'After murmuring, thanks, "'in that cringe-inducing voice, I shrank out. "'Using the list of classes and school clocks, "'I stumbled from, from one room to another as scheduled.' Somehow, a sense of numbness took over, saving me from collapsing. A few times, a bigger kid shoved me aside so roughly I fell. Not real bullying. I was just in the way, so they dealt with me accordingly. As a smaller and weaker student, I knew it was to be expected. Survival of the fittest. In the afternoon, I got shoved against my locker door, dropping my books everywhere. Someone helped me up and started gathering the books. "'Hi. Are you new here? I'm Sylvia.' I nodded. My expression the whole day must have been a dazed one. "'Need some help? I can show you the nurse's office if you're hurt.' Furious at Sylvia Henderson for some reason, I scowled. Not sure why, but I hated her at that moment. "'Go away. Just go away!' I found myself speaking loudly. Looking hurt, she turned to go. I wish I hadn't done that, but it was too late. I left for Health 101. So befuddled that by the end of a school day, I missed the bus because I couldn't figure out the right number. I went to the bathroom and sat in a stall. I wanted to forget this new set of circumstances, even briefly, but the sight of those spindly arms and legs... Poking out of the gym uniform wouldn't let me. (sighs) Greencrest was not a large town population-wise, but area-wise posed a transportation problem. I needed an adult to help me. But whom? How would I convince this person of my identity? I sat for quite a while. Then a team of football players stormed in, making a great deal of noise. They swapped tales of conquest with uproarious laughter. One banged against the door to the stall I occupied, so I started. They couldn't see this, but seemed to find it highly amusing before trooping out. Finally, I thought of someone reliable. Someone who could be counted upon, if only the evidence presented was sufficient. I left my stall and saw, by the clock outside that it was only a quarter past four almost two hours to compose the arguments to prove my identity just before six i stood outside administration taking a deep breath i opened the door if she would believe me then she might be willing to help brian goodman brad Poole, and ellis were talking together Missing for 72 hours. That gives us the weekend. After that, I'll have to assume his duties, Poole said. You know, Goodman spoke up. Dr. Maxwell has been acting pretty stressed lately. Very, Alice shook her head. I haven't told you, but his pants weren't on the floor with the rest. He soiled his boxers and slacks before soaking them in the sink not like him to do this. I've wondered if he was having a midlife crisis. He's harder to work with than ever. You don't suppose he's running through some cornfield in his birthday suit? Goodman asked. I don't know. Greencrest is a small town. If he has lost it, someone will find him soon enough, Poole replied. Brian and Goodman left. Poole said his wife had asked about Ellis' family, said they would love to have her and her mother over for dinner soon, followed by more brown-nosing. Then he left. She had noticed me earlier, but turned her full attention to me then. Miss Ellis? I cringed as I spoke. I am really having a bad day.